Welcome to MNI's FedSpeak podcast. I'm your host, Pedro da Costa, and I'm delighted to welcome Danielle DiMartino Booth to the program today. She is a former advisor to the president of the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas and is now CEO and chief strategist for QI Research. She is also the author of Fed Up, an insider's take on why the Federal Reserve is bad for America. Thank you so much for coming on FedSpeak. It's great to be back with you. I'm, I'm delighted to be back with you. I'm one of the few, so I can like add this to my resume. Absolutely. Return guests. I really appreciate it. So let's start with the economy, right? Because you'd been fairly pessimistic about the outlook, but everyone seems to be either revising up their forecasts or at the very least pushing kind of the recession forecast further into the future. What what do you make of the current state of the economy? So, um, you know, the U.S. GDP is 70% consumption. And um if you think about that, and if you factor in that the business investments really gotten is really impaired right now. So then you parse that out to what the consumer spending, if you just drill down. So who's who's maintaining this 70% that's consumption if it's not U.S. businesses? Yeah. And that gets you to U.S. consumers. Well, you're saying who? Wait a minute. You know, they you know, low-income families, they had $200 on average taken away in terms of food stamps kind of the, the lowest income earners. Banks have been telling us that they're really curtailing new credit card lending and expanding credit card lines of, of credit. We got fresh data that comes out three times a year from the New York Fed on that. It shows rejection rates are going way up for credit. So if it's so credit's been a huge part of it. Home equity lines of credit, the number of them, they're running at the fastest since 2000. And 10, I absolutely have to share a funny story with you really quickly. Some anecdote to have you appreciate how much money people are getting from their home equity, which is something we haven't talked about in 15 years. Mm -hmm. This one guy posted like on social media with his name. It wasn't even anonymous. Bless him. He's like, well, you know, I took out 40 some odd thousand dollars. He cashed out $400,000, put it in the stock market in the fourth quarter of 2022. His account was now worth 1.3 million. And so his open question on social media was, well, my interest expense on my home equity line of credit is now 2,893 a month. So my question to you is, you know, should I keep the money in the stock market? I have income and just keep paying this gigantic interest and just let it ride for the next five years because the Fed's going to have my back. And I'm like, you know, I had to rub my eyes. And, and I kept saying to myself, this, this is a real person. This is not like somebody hiding behind a fake persona. And, but that gives you an idea of how people are seeing access to debt. But to answer your question, in a million years, my economic models could have never taken into account the employee retention credit. We know that the Paycheck Protection Program, I mean, now you're seeing it, you know, they're, they're tracing back all these fraudulent PPP loans to, to record levels of Rolls Royce sales back when that program was, was rolled out. That's a real thing. And now they're actually starting to prosecute the fraud. And here in Dallas, Texas, I think there was $250 million one in particular, five guys. But I never saw coming the employee retention credit. To give you an idea of scope, in the 36 months since this was introduced as part of the CARES Act. So the first time companies could really file these claims for, and, and it goes into the Treasury's business income tax refund file uh, was July of 2020. So since then, we've seen almost half a billion dollars of these employee retention credits pumped into the US economy. 
And that that's more than double what it was in the prior 36 month period to give you an idea of the marginal money that's been going in, into the economy. Now, the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Bloomberg, to a lesser extent, major media is finally picking up on this. The IRS is screaming to the hills. OK, we got fraud. We've got issues. People need to stop filing these claims. But they keep coming. And last December, I said to myself, well, here's here's twenty five point six billion dollars in one month, December, that this puppy's paying out. Surely we've seen the peak and it's going to roll over. Well, not so much. In the month of June, it was just a month ago, uh, we saw 29 billion pumped in and July looks to be about 30, 35 million pumped in. And the IRS is saying that all of the ERC claims that they've already filed don't begin to add up to the number that they have in a pipeline to process. Wow. So you're talking about a lot of money here. The people who needed this claim, they probably took it in 20 and 2021. It applies to business interrupted because of COVID that you can demonstrate to the IRS through the third quarter of 2021. But the statute of limitations on filing these does not end until April the 30th of 2025. So there is a massive cottage industry that's been born. Certain people in Congress are starting to look into, we, gee, maybe we should pull the plug on this program. Maybe it is sucking the life out of U.S. taxpayers. But it's been sufficient to, despite the obvious, you know, Moody's came out two days ago, highest automobile delinquencies on record. Despite everything that we're seeing coming out of the middle of the income stack, and now the lowest parts of the income stack, now that food stamps and Medicaid coverage has been reduced appreciably since the public health emergency was ended. The high-end consumer, they continue to get these proceeds and lots of them. You're hearing um, the, the biggest STR, they, they compile hotel data. They're like, we don't know what's going on here. Domestic hotel revenues are starting to decline. And yet Bank of America has proprietary research that shows that foreign brick and mortar spending that they can trace back to their credit and debit cards is off the Richter scale, international travel, Delta Airlines reported 60% increase in international travel compared to eight for domestic. Southwest Airlines is, is running specials going, God, domestic travelers are going, first class cabins are full because you're flying your mother-in-law, your father-in-law, your sister-in-law, you don't even like all your kids. Everybody's going to Paris, flying first class. You're all shopping on the Champs-Élysées and, and we're seeing it in the data. It's not the uber wealthy who are taking this. It's the ones underneath them with a very high propensity to spend it and spend it right now. And so you ask me, why are we not in recession? When in September of 2022, Pedro, write this one down. In September of 2022, there were zero states in the United States with rising continuing claimants, rising numbers of Americans collecting continuing jobless claims benefits. Today, because Hawaii just flipped which is like a Six Sigma event. Hawaii has the most bulletproof job sector in the nation. Today, we know that 46 states have increasing continuing claims year over year. There's one holdout, the state of Oklahoma, that since September, every single month has had falling continuing jobless claims. When you have 93% of the US population living in a state with rising continuing claimants, when you have consumption outside of the high income earners who are in receipt of employee retention credits. So you, that whole portion of the US economy is in recession. The manufacturing industry is in recession. The rest of the world is in recession. But when you pump $30 billion a month into the U.S. economy and it's spent, it's really hard to see the forest for the trees. 
So is it is it a is a question of a recession delayed rather than a recession denied, if you will? Is it it's delayed. It is delayed. But every once in a while you'll get this, you know, shot out of the darkness. Somebody just handed back a $215 million skyscraper in Buckhead, which is the toniest area of Atlanta, because the bid and the ask are so far apart. In my little Bloomberg chat room for my institutional clients, our mantra is trash or trophy. Anything in between is not transacting. Trophy, you know, if if your building can talk to you and do your laundry while you're in the elevator and it's the most up-to-date modern skyscraper in the world, those office buildings are trading and they're trading at a premium. And if you're a $215 million nice office building in Buckhead, Georgia, but your bid and your ask are too far apart, then you're trash. And you're, you're trading as well by handing the lender back the keys to the building and walking away. Everything in between, frozen. Same with residential. Does this delay make make the eventual recession deeper? Is there going to be some kind of fiscal cliff that we hit that uh, coincides with all this monetary tightening and, and is a recipe for a deeper downturn? Does it even raise the chances that the Fed kind of has to keep tightening to make up for this this ongoing strength and therefore, again, raises the risk of a hard landing? Well, I think the Fed, I mean, Powell's loving this, right? He wants to kill the Fed put. He doesn't give two flips about inflation, but he wants as much cover as he can possibly get. And the cover that he gets is fabulous. It doesn't matter that initial jobless claims don't reflect what's going on in the economy. It doesn't matter that the Bureau of Labor Statistics is over the last 12 months that 42% of jobs created have been due to the births of businesses amidst the worst bankruptcy crisis since the great financial crisis. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about the end of sentences. He only cares about the beginning. And that's that we've had great job growth, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. You know, watch out in August when we get these annual revisions, you know, I'll, I'll be ducking for cover, but he doesn't care. He wants all data that he can possibly get to maintain higher for longer. I don't even think he cares about where the Fed funds rate is anymore, though it's fun to raise rates along the way, because the more he keeps the focus off of the balance sheet, the longer he gets to take his balance sheet down. And that's his sole focus. It's all he cares about. So you could, I mean, you could make up an in- inflation metric tomorrow, Pedro, if you want it to wake up. It's not in Haver. Call it super core inflation. Never existed. Just pull it out of the sky. I want core services PCE net of shelter. Okay, we're going to find something that in the history of the United States has never declined. And we're going to set our target on that. Great. Make it up, Jay. Go for it. That's what he's done. But he's brilliant because he wants to keep shrinking the balance sheet. He knows that in March of 2020, the U.S. Treasury quit trading in Asia because he, you know, Basel and regulations, they'd taken the big broker dealer community out of trading treasuries. Well, he's an American, he's a patriot and you cannot have the risk-free asset of the world quit trading. So how do you take, how do you wrench back the situation where the Fed owned so much of the treasuries that there wasn't enough of an outside market to trade? Yeah. Because hedge funds, 50%, Steve Cohen, Ken Griffin, they're like, this math doesn't work for me. They step back from the market like broker dealers are not allowed to do. Yeah. So Jay Powell determines in March of 2020, the Fed's footprint is too big and it's a sovereign national security issue. We have to do everything we can. As in April, the Federal Reserve Bank of New York put a report out that said by the end of 2025, that balance sheet's going to be $5 trillion. So he needs to do whatever he can do, including fabricating inflationary BS to get there. And that's where his focus is because he's a patriot. 
So what do you think he will do on the rates front? I mean, because the market seems to have run away with this weaker than expected CPI for June and kind of pegged the, the July hike as the last one, even though policymakers have signaled at least two more in store. What do you think? Well, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm waiting to see how he alters the narrative after he leaves the podium on July 26th. Because he goes into his war bunker and he says, OK, so now we've got September priced out. So how do we how do we get September priced back in? He's done it methodically since January of 2022, by the way. Yeah. One month at a time. He sits back. He's like, I'm a lawyer. I can I, I can argue to this jury all day long and on Sundays. I've got the Wall Street Journal in my back pocket. I've, I've got all my outside of Goolsby who had, you know, an appointment scandal who's scared now. EVC got daily in line. I've got all my minions in line. What are we going to do to shift this narrative? Because I need, I actually, I want that September rate hike. I want to, I want for the market to price the first rate cut out somewhere in the third quarter of 2024. How do we get there? What can I make up to justify September? He's successfully done this time and again. So do you think he delivers in September? How high do you think Fed funds actually goes in this cycle? Well, so I've actually been in contact with the good folks over at something called Trueflation, T-R-U. And uh, they gave me all the data back to January 2012, and I ran the correlation between what their benchmark is and their data. This is 30 million real-time prices. And uh, and they've got a 97% correlation with headline CPI. Trueflation today is 2.1%. That tells you that he's going to have to make up something different if the bankruptcies continue, if, as I suspect, by August we don't have 93% of the U.S. population living in a state with rising continuing claimants, but 100, because that's kind of the trajectory that we're on. We just got to you know, pull Oklahoma in. I drove through Oklahoma yesterday. You could tell that the energy industry was booming. But if, if you get to September and 100% of the U.S. population is living in a state where they know somebody who's lost their job and they're on unemployment benefits, and if trueflation is right, and well, I don't know, 97% correlation is pretty high, given one is you know, the highest you can get in data back to January, 2012. So, and what I'm seeing, not the inflationistas who are like also involved with crypto and we've got inflation base effects come July. And I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah. Check out what you're seeing in terms of the Cleveland Fed repeat rent index, buddy, because it's gone negativo year over year amidst record supplies of apartments coming online. It's called supply demand. I don't think we've put that law to rest completely. So we know that the largest component, which is shelter, is coming down and it's coming down hard. That's four times higher than your healthcare inflation that's going to kick in come October. Four times the weight of, of healthcare. Food prices are coming down. Two times the weight of energy. So these inflationistas, they can't do simple math. Because it the, the weight inside of the consumer price index actually matters. Yeah. So it doesn't matter that you're going to have healthcare inflation pop up. Uh, AutoNation today came out and said, well, new car prices are going to fall and fall hard. They're going to catch up to used car prices that are falling and falling hard. That's what happens when Capital One comes out and says, well, we've raised our, our delinquency rate, only went up 139 basis points in a quarter to 3.74%. Charge-offs are right behind it. So the deflationary effect on new and used car prices is going to be extraordinary. There's going to be too many things dragging that number down to have this 0.2% to infinity, even as a remote possibility. 
So Powell's going to have to come up with something pretty special. And now it's like two days after my birthday. So we'll see if he delivers another 25 basis points in September. I'm rooting for him, not because he's going to slam the economy into recession. That's happening one way or the other. I just want, I, I actually, I'm right there with him in terms of it's a matter of national security to reduce the size of the Fed's footprint in the treasury market via quantitative tightening. That's really interesting. So you think he's going to keep sort of the hawkish tone up regardless of the fact that you probably you probably expect inflation to end the year lower than the Fed's forecast, considering what you said. I would think so. I mean, given the trajectory of the largest drivers. Now there's a massive lag effect that's working to his benefit. And what he if- keeps saying all the way to two, all the way to 2%. What about the notion that which Lori Logan actually suggested that they could actually keep reducing the balance sheet even when the main policy tool turns around and they're cutting rates, that that's kind of on autopilot. You know, that's really interesting because the Fed would be sterilizing the effect of lowering interest rates by doing that. You're not going to force the credit markets to re-engage if you're pulling liquidity out of the system. It doesn't matter what the cost of money is, especially when especially if you're talking about low incremental decreases to the Fed funds rate. Because if you want to spark a refinancing wave in the United States, I think you need to get the 30-year fix down to 1%, one and a half. If you you really want to unlock money in people's homes, as opposed to these Yahoo's taking out home equity lines of credit at 8%, which they're doing in the highest number since 2010, that tells you how strained consumer balance sheets are. And this is before we even start to trickle in with student loan payments. Yeah. But- It's a fascinating question, right? Will the Fed neutralize its own policy? Will the Fed run neutral policy? Has the Fed ever run neutral policy? No. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. I don't know. Yeah, it would seem like the right hand not speaking to the left hand, but it. uh... Well, right now we're running double tightening policy. Yeah. So what you're suggesting is we go from double tightening to no tightening. Yeah. Does the decline in the reverse repo facility, the sort of immaculate decline that has followed the replenishment of the treasury general account, does that improve the chances that QT can go on for as long as he apparently would like? Is that a a great thing for Jay Powell? I mean, you know, the first 300 billion has gone like smooth. We'll see once you start, once banks start to hit their limit in terms, and we're starting to see bills get a little constrained in terms of their trading. Yeah. So you will see what this next 300 billion does, um, especially as you see the Fed funds rate come up. So your money market fund is like, eh. we will see. We will see. All I know is that bank balance sheets right now are beginning to be, you know, kind of towards the full end. If you're looking at a car's gasoline gauge, yeah. in terms of their capacity to hold these, um, to, to, to continue buying these bills. So we will we will see what Yellen's next 300 billion looks like. But for now, you know, nobody nobody pays attention on Friday after the close that other deposits, liabilities, you know, in the H8 keep coming down. It's like they didn't invent graveyards to not whistle past, right? <laughs> yeah. And you mentioned that credit crisis is happening, although we might not be seeing because of these artificial lifts that we're getting in the economy. Is that something you see as a product of what happened in March, the SVB in First Republic? Or is it just a product of the rapid tightening that the Fed has delivered? Well, so SVB really ignited, reignited animal spirits. 
right? I mean, you know, we find out today that bank lobbying is up 20% quarter over quarter because they're scared out of their minds what this BTFP, you know, this emergency facility actually has a huge price tag attached to it called you're going to raise capital and a lot of it if you're north of 100 billion. And the banks are like, no, 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 no. Which is why in a $2 trillion facility, you've had 100 billion of uptake. They're like, no, we don't need to play that bad. Well, we'll keep the garbage on our balance sheet. Thank you very much. And everybody's planning on the Fed lowering interest rates so that that, it doesn't hurt as bad. But animal spirits were ignited. I would say that 90% of people on Twitter believe that the Fed discount window lending and the BTFP program were both quantitative easing and that therefore it was time to go buy NVIDIA. Yeah. And when you see retail participation, it's just gone through the roof. He'll take it any way he can get it. Again, if it's super core inflation, if it's a stock market that's to the moon, Jay Powell will take fill in the blank, do whatever you can so that he can keep shrinking the balance sheet. He'll take financial conditions all day. Who cares about those bankruptcies? Stock market's up. I wonder what you make of the notion that housing has flattened out and apparently even rebounded in some areas. Is that a head fake? Are we going to get further pain there? I think the builders are starting to hit their pain thresholds. They tell the buyers. Actually, I spoke to the biggest title company in, in Texas a few days ago, a longtime client. So the builders are telling the buyers, You've just got this teaser rate for two years and they buy the mortgage rate down, just call it to four or 5%. And then they tell the buyer after the two years goes by, you know, you're going to be able to reset after the Federal Reserve has gone back to zero. Therefore, your payment's not going to increase. And they're like, okay, I can, I can try and squeeze my way into this. The builders are running out of margin room to continue playing this game because the Fed ain't doing anything yet to relieve that pain. Real estate agents are telling people the same exact thing on the existing side. To the extent that existing home inventory is moving, which it's not. We had a year-long debate inside the Fed when I was there. What will the zero bound do to mobility in America? Will it cause people, if they have too low of a mortgage rate, to stay in their homes? I mean, this was the whole, should we buy mortgage-backed securities, cross that Rubicon or not? It all came down to census data back to 1947 on the impact on mobility. Whatever U.S. economic recovery is stunted because of immobility because people don't want to leave their low mortgage rates. Yeah. It was a viable point we were making at the time. (laughs) Didn't play out until now. And we're seeing it now. So your supply side is constrained. You've got new homes at the highest percentage of housing transactions in the aggregate and builders buying down points in order to keep, in order to keep the game going, this very quiet recession that we're in that, you know, it's closing. I I spent most of my summer up in Indiana. One plant after another is closing. You know, I mean, I'm talking about population 10,000 in the summer, 2000 in the winter, small town America. You know, people talk to you about everything, including my son just lost his job because the factory closed. Yeah. And and that was one thing that was interesting. Chris Williams, the chief economist at ISM said a few months ago, he said, if these backlogs that are deeply contractionary don't write themselves, then the second quarter earnings season is going to be one company after another in the industrial space restructuring. And that's exactly what we're seeing. So it's going to branch out from Silicon Valley and Google's laying off 10,000 people. Uh, It's isolated to Silicon Valley and tech's only a certain percentage of the employee, blah, blah, blah. It's going to broaden out to your industrial sector because the backlogs, if whether you, you name the regional federal reserve survey on the manufacturing side, backlogs have not been, have not turned positive. Yeah. So your, your future demand is not there. And that means you only have one thing you can do, and that's to cut your largest expense, which is labor. So we're going to get into the thick of that in the current earnings season as we get past financials who are like, woo, woo, to you know, the next stage of the earnings season, which is more on the industrial side. 
And then one last question before I let you go. What does hire for longer mean to you? When they get to the peak rate, how are they going to communicate the extent to which they'll stay there? And, and how long do you think that will be? So I think, you know, he'll come up with something clever, like for the foreseeable future or indefinitely, or he'll do what he's been doing for the last 12 months for, you know, for the press and saying, we're not talking about that today. I mean, that poor was ProPublica, I can't think of the reporter who asked him about the balance sheet. And he was just like, these aren't the droids you're looking for. Move on, move on. So he's not talked about the balance sheet. So I think he'll be forced to bring that into the dialogue. But any any hope that they'll be tapering their taper or tapering the pace at which they're... I actually think that the Lori, if Lori Logan's scenario plays out and the Fed continues to shrink the balance sheet while it lowers interest rates, you could see mortgage-backed security prepayment rates rise to the extent that the Fed's able to accelerate its exit from those holdings. And that would be fascinating. And it would be beneficial, right? Because Powell does not want the Waller is his spokesperson, period. End. Christopher Waller is Jay Powell. And Christopher Waller wants those mortgage-backed securities off of that. They're not going to sell them, but he wants yeah. to jettison those MBSs. What better way to do it than to lower interest rates while you're still conducting quantitative tightening and say, all those mortgage-backed security roll-offs that we didn't accomplish in 2022, we're just going to let them catch up as they repay naturally. Whatever that speed is, that's up to that's up to the people repaying their mortgages because we're no longer in that business when it comes to QE. We're strictly a treasury shop now. And do you think the QT effort will ultimately be successful? Like, will he achieve the goal of getting the balance sheet to a size where it no longer is, as you described, a national security risk? I, I mean, I... I hope that that is the case. It's scary. I mean, my I had a client who trades leverage. Tra- he called me in the middle of the night. He's like, Jesus, long bonds not trading in Asia. I'm like, you're seriously delusional. And it's the middle of the night. And like, you don't understand the long bonds not trading in Asia. I mean, I hope he gets there because that's a big, that's that's a sovereign vulnerability. Yeah, You can and- talk all day long about trashing the dollar, but if we retain risk-free asset status, that's stronger than the damn dollar. And what is that level? Is there a level that you have in mind at which the balance sheet becomes less of a harm? So I think given the growth of the deficit and debt, that if we get in that $5 trillion neighborhood, and if Powell does, as I suspect he will, he wants to get rid of QE altogether. He wants to get rid of zero interest rate policy altogether. Hey, he only had 250 basis points to work with the first time he tried to normalize rates and he took it back down to zero. Right now he's got, what, 350 to play with to stop at two? So bye-bye, Zerp. And and then just say, you know what, QE was a failed experiment. We're just going to continue to naturally let the balance sheet shrink and go back to using that one tool of the Fed funds rate and have a nice day. So I hope he gets to five because I think vis-a-vis the size of the national debt, call it $33 trillion, that that's reasonable looking back to... 2017, 2018, 2019 era. Okay. We'll leave it there. Really fascinating discussion. That was Danielle DiMartino Booth of QI Research. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.